This is the big city. Tough town. Tough people. Me? I'm a cop. Actually, I'm William Shatner. And my near perfection as a TV cop has led me to perhaps the greatest challenge of my career. Teaching real cops how to act. Following these two cops around, a reality TV crew videotaping their every move. Just another day on Showtime. Welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we view the Star Trek universe from a non-Trekkie perspective. Uh, today we're doing one of our Spotlight of the Movies segments uh, where we look at a film starring uh, in front or behind the camera a member of the Star Trek franchise and we're joined by a special guest to help us discuss the film we're looking at today, 2002's Showtime. The reason we're looking at that one is because it includes a role for William Shatner as himself uh, in a actually quite fleeting cameo. Probably more, probably more fleeting than I originally realised when I selected for the spotlight in the movies list. Ended on your list for that reason. Yeah. Even more annoyed that I selected you that you said. We're very intrigued to why. And that, that you really annoyed, but it's my fault. Basically, you can you can blame it on yeah, yeah, me. Exactly, we can blame it on our guest today, Mr. Boyd Hill. Thank you, Boyd. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? I am Boyd Hill and I selected this <laughs> film, uh, apologies, um, it is Maverick, um, and I am, what's my job, oh yeah, I'm editorial um, entertainment director, god, of Heat Magazine, sorry I'm tired, <laughs> I was up all night watching the Oscars. Did you promote yourself Oscars. or demote yourself there? I promoted myself. Oh, very good. Um, and I am deputy to pilot TV magazine, so I've got two jobs basically. Fantastic. Yeah. Two jobs in one. And the, uh, yeah, and it all happens here in my office. And... Why did you pick Showtime? <laughs> so, I picked Showtime, you, well. <laughs> Explain <laughs> yourself. Be transparent. So you sent me a list of... Um, Almost 200 films. 200 films, <laughs> which have some connection to Star Trek. Yes. I mean, this is your format, yeah, don't blame yeah. And You just had to put it on. Yeah, you? and you said pick a film. Now, I remember, so I've seen this film, I saw this film when it came out. I saw this right, film okay. before it came out. So, um, it came out in 2002. I've been working for Heat since 1999. Yep. Just do the math. And um, and this is one of the films um, I went to a, a preview screening of back in back then. Did you review for Heat? Do you know what? I was trying to find it, whether I did, I couldn't find it. Oh. So I'm not sure whether I did or not. I think I probably did. Delete it. I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, because we don't. We Heat isn't online. You see, so oh, you can't right. just go online. Yeah, so you have to literally go back to um, back copies, yeah. physical back copies. Oh, has it never been online? Like, no, we've now. got a separate website. Right, fascinatingly, listeners, <laughs> um, Heat World, but it's completely a thing. You know, it's its own thing. It's like a celebrity right. news website. All the reviews that have been in the 1027 issues of Heat so far are not anywhere to be seen on my life's work yeah so they're all in the so I cannot check easily whether I did review that film right. and I haven't got my own um, this is so boring I haven't got my own 
um, in my my personal archive, I haven't got everything I've ever written either, going back that far. So I have no idea. I did, cannot remember. Oh, I probably uh, did. Keeping otherwise, it analog. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise. You know, generally we send people to see. I, I mean, I do go to a lot of films anyway without reviewing them. And I would have wanted. Why would I have seen? Showtime? I would have wanted. <laughs> I would have wanted because obviously before it comes out, yeah, Showtime That's is true, yeah. a film starring Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro and William Shatner himself and yeah. Rene Russo. What a cast! Right, what a cast! And it's got an interesting, interesting kind of reality TV, which at the time was like quite mm-hmm. new and you know kind of snazzy. Yeah, yeah. They came up with the. Um, I guess it's riding the, the like Ed TV Truman Show right. wave, mm-hmm. kind of bit of a yeah. reality yeah. TV. Yeah. So it seemed like a good um, prospect. He's dirty, Harry. Get that camera out of here. He's real. You break the law in my city, I will hunt you down and put you behind bars. A reality show. Can I give him a partner? We could give him maybe a funny minority type. Oh, you want to do this the hard way, huh? Hey, get back over here! You're under arrest! Whoa! I go by the name of Trace Sellers. Patrolman. Ooh, what if our dirty Harry says no? No! The guy's a joke. Whoa! I am your partner. Never. I am your partner. You're doing this, Mitch. That's an order. Okay, Annie, get the dish up. Please don't say it. It's showtime. So I did go and see it, and I remember it being absolutely <laughs> gutted by how how it just was. <laughs> the other thing, the other reason is, so there's that. So it felt like it, you know, it was. And, I, and I am a Star Trek fan of the original series with the Star Trek. Um, so that's an element of it. Then um, I saw it, and I remember thinking it was shit. Um, but there's the other interesting thing was I also remember reading an article in the Guardian by the writer of the film. Right. Who, this was his first film that got made. Mm. You may not be surprised to hear. And his last? I'm not sure. It might have been his last. Not um, his last. We'll no. go into that. But he okay. wrote a piece in the Guardian, which I printed out somewhat. Wow. I found that because um, I said, "Did I imagine I read this piece?" And I found it, and it was all about the extraordinary process by which he was like a reporter in a local paper in the states not a screenwriter or anything at all, not a professional screenwriter, and, and he got this incredible break, like he wrote some true crime articles in his paper, a Hollywood producer liked the article, got in touch with him and said, do you want to write a script about this subject matter? And for years it didn't get made, and then suddenly, like all the cast came on board, and it, suddenly he was being paid 75 grand to write the script in a week or something, and that, so he wrote a thing about the process, and there's a funny bit about the William Shatner, because the William Shatner was crucial for him, mm. and right. that was a big thing, like, and that was a you know the, the producers at the time so though people playing themselves popping up yeah, as a yeah. guest role in the film might not work. So it was always him going. It was I'm always, writing this part yeah. as Shatner as himself. Yeah. So that was a key for him. But in the end, as you, as we will discuss, his appearances in the film are quite fleeting. Yes. It has to be said, slightly more fleeting than I remembered. So I didn't remember <laughs> realize until I rewatched it for this podcast how little he's in the film. <laughs> Apologies. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely fine. And like I say, it's, it's that difficult thing where. I'm selecting films for that list yeah. where it's a case of I, I try and make it so that whoever is involved either in front or behind the camera they have a significant role in the making of that film well um, I'm saying significant is fine uh, Shatner is listening highly significant like, yeah, third or fourth billing right I think yeah, that's the yeah. thing in terms of even though his role is fleeting yeah. I would say he's significant to the film he yeah. plays an important role exactly and you know I mean, he presented the making of yeah the right? 
Yeah, the features would not be the same without that. And there are deleted scenes with him as well. So, you know, there was obviously more shot originally. Then they could handle it. So, also, boy, we do usually ask our guests who come on for their Star Trek credentials. What we mean by that is what have you seen? Like, how? What was your first experience with Star Trek? Stuff like that. Right. Well, I watched as a kid growing up, you know, I'm an old man now. Um, I watched Star Trek not so not in its first run. <laughs> I'm not quite that old. It used to be on, I think, like Amusement Day better than I. But my memory was on a kind of roughly tea time. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, on BBC Two. I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Simpsons, right. Star Trek. Right. Well, it was before that. Oh, it was before Simpsons. It was oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm talking okay. when I was like, I'm talking. It must have been. I must have been around 10, 11, 12, so I'm talking right, about, I mean, right, right. You're thinking our exposure to next gen. Yes. Yeah, this is your, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. this is way further back. This is like, uh, I'm talking seven, late 70s. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So when how, it had been and gone for a while, oh, yeah, before it had come back. Yeah, and yeah. then BBC. I think, I, I'm, I'm guessing the BBC kind of just carried on showing it quite a lot after quite it possibly, finished. Yeah, just for yeah, years yeah. and years, they just kept re-showing it, because it was always yeah. very popular for them. Um, and so I was watching it late 70s, Classic Star Trek, original Star Trek, and I loved it. Absolutely, even at that age, I was like 10, 11, 12. I think it was the first big science fiction thing that I watched. And then from then on, it was like, well, I love that. And then, and then I went to see Star Wars when I was 10. Um, when it came out, and there, so it was a whole, yeah, it was definitely like key for me. Star Trek was a key thing in my in my um, appreciation of films, TV, yeah, and yeah, science yeah, fiction yeah. in particular. I imagine it's the gateway drug for a lot of people. Gateway drug, it's the gateway yeah. drug, yeah. And then, after, funnily enough, after that, um, I've seen all the films religiously, mm. and, I, and I'm very, you know, I do love the films, the varying, the the, the kind of Star Trek films rather than the next. But I, ne- you know, I never got into the next generation. Yeah. But not at all. I think it was an age thing. So when did the next generation start? Nineteen eighty-seven. So but don't think it was screened in Britain yeah. for like two, three years or yeah. something. Like, so yeah. I would have been um, twenty-two when right. it probably was aired here. And in fact, I think probably the reason why I didn't watch it was because I was actually on on a, I had a year abroad in America as a student. I was a student, and at that point, I wasn't going to be watching Star Trek stuff. <laughs> too cool. Um, too now. cool. And it gets to that point where it's like suddenly I cannot be seen near this. Yeah. For my own reputation. Right. And so I just never watched it. I never watched it when it first went out. Right. Either I think I'm, you know, I was living in the states then for that year. No, I certainly didn't watch it when I got back. I was aware of it. I just never ever watched it. And do you know what? I've, ne- I've never really watched Next Generation ever. Much to my colleague yeah. um, James Dyer, who is a lovely. I do a podcast with him every week. By the way, I should have mentioned that earlier. Pilot TV podcast. James very good it. podcast. Very good. James is a, is a proper Trek aficionado. And, <laughs> do we um, have a statement from him this week? Oh, did he give you a? But we did an episode with Nick DeSemlin, yeah. uh, who's also a colleague of James's. Mm. <laughs> James gave him a pre-prepared statement yeah. to read out on the podcast. Yeah, I think James. Uh, I, I don't think he really sunk in that I was doing this, so I don't, he hasn't given me a pre-prepared statement. Okay. You'll be, be disappointed. With so, and I've never really told him fully, frankly, that I haven't watched Next Generation, but I, but I haven't. So, um, God, how are you going to break it? To yeah. Him? So that's how I'll get. Frankly, all of the TV 
incarnations until the new one, until Discovery, Discovery I have ignored. Mm. Pretty much. Okay. I don't, there's no great logic mm. to that. I just have, right? Um, but now I am into Discovery. Yes. Although, having said that, I'm about uh, two weeks behind yeah. on Netflix. Mm. Um, I mean, the other ones, like DS9 and Voyager, even though they were yeah. their, their own shows, they mm. very felt they very much felt in canon with what had come. Well, right. It felt like a yeah. block, didn't it? Whereas Discovery, you don't look at that and go, exactly. this is a Voyager yeah, exactly. or anything, yeah. So because I think, because I never watched Next Generation, I then never got into mm. DS9, etc. But I, I will always religiously go to see all the films. I love the films. Yes. What's your favourite of the films? I think it is. It's got to be um, uh, Search for Spock. Search for Spock. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> just because it's so crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I like Search yeah. for Spock. I think it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or. But do you know what? I have also I have very very fond memories of seeing the first Star Trek film, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Wow! Because I saw that in the cinema, I was so excited about it. Um, what year was that? Remind me. Seventy nine. <laughs> memorized. Seventy nine. So then I was um, twelve when that came out. Took, went to see the cinema. Sisters, Mas- uh, Odeon Master Square. And it looked spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it's incredibly yeah. dated now. Do you remember? I mean, this was the period where. Obviously, there's a. There's, how long is the sequence showing you where you, where you watch the. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, real time. Yeah, real time. <laughs> yeah, very long. Watching the bloody ship. Looking at the ship. <laughs> yeah. so, it seems so ridiculous now because that's like, you know, that'd be over in half a second. Yeah, I think we said on our first episode, like, the yeah. idea of kids getting into it via this film seems yeah. crazy to us now, yeah. but I guess so cerebral and yeah. long yeah. and kind of like, it's you know, slow. yeah, and he's like essentially the, the the bad guy and it's like, what, a cloud, basically, yeah. like, you know. And if you're coming off the animated series, if you're a kid who's a fan of the cartoon, <laughs> you're like, um, so I, but I, I loved it at the time. I thought yeah. I loved the fact that it was like a sub two thousand and one, mm. very self consciously big, ambitious. Yeah, yeah. It was Doug Trumbull doing the special effects? Doug like, yeah. effects, yeah, and Robert Wise. Did Robert yeah. Wise directed it. Yeah. Um, so I was really into it, and I've always had a soft spot for the motion picture, mm. despite its obvious flaws. It is getting um, 40th anniversary screenings this year, right? Oh, nice. and so yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's the 40th anniversary. At least December, Prince Charles. So you think? Yeah, there, there must be something going down. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would be interested to see it on a big screen yeah. for the grandeur. Like, yeah, 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 definitely. And I should mention that Paul, um, our other. He's He's being very quiet today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, he can't be with us today. Um, but you will uh, be hearing from him later. We have got a pretty prepared <laughs> okay. statement from Paul. Statements uh, later on, but he would love this because he is the defender of the motion picture oh, on our podcast. Yeah. So I would, always, I would defend it always. Yeah. There you go. Let me. Do, I just definitely at the time it worked. Like for you know for a chart Star Trek fan. Excited about a film mm. on the big screen, it absolutely delivers, mm. you know, the, at that point. In yeah, time. Obviously yeah, now it's a different thing. Uh, it's interesting here just because I think we were always like, oh, would kids be, especially two years after Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you think, like, because that's why they brought it back. Yeah, it was because of the success yeah. of Star Wars. Yeah. They were like, right, we've got our own franchise right here. Yeah. It's braver than not to just reboot it in a Star yeah. Wars style. Yeah, and they yeah. put a big push out for it. But you think, you would think kids who went to Star Wars and love that. If they then went and lined up for Star Trek the Motion Picture, yeah. I mean, it's such a different prospect. Maybe that's what created all the diehard Star Wars versus Trekkie. Maybe. They went maybe. for that and yeah, were like, maybe. nope, I'm back well, I think, to Star Wars. I think Star Trek, what, part of the reason why I loved it growing up and, and still love it now is that, it, the, you know, from, from the original onwards, it was, very, very, it was there was a cerebral quality to it. Obviously, yeah. you know, it was dealing with big themes. And I think when you're, when you're watching that and, and it's, 
Um, it's flatters your intelligence in a way because you're mm. you're, you're watching a, you know a, a broad American yeah. sci-fi show, but equally it's dealing with big weighty things quite you know consciously. Mm. Um, and that was one of the great appeals of it that you feel oh I'm watching this thing it's not just about a spaceship and yeah it's like, I'm really <laughs> smart. And then the motion picture definitely had that, but even like way more, mm. way yeah, more yeah, gravitas yeah, yeah. than <laughs> it ever needed. But it felt like you again you were, as, you know flat you were being flattered by how deep they were trying to go. And what's the love for search first box? I enjoy it. Uh, I um, love Kirk kicking the cream on the face mostly. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's all you need. I think everyone says you know um, the the, the, the Second film, don't they? That's every, Roth of Khan. Yeah, Khan that's the everyone. big one. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be slightly less obvious. Right, obviously. And I love the Roth of Khan, but I just, again, this all goes back to me seeing them. You know, on the day they come out. And yeah. I remember. I remember seeing the central stuff somehow more clearly in my mind going to see that in the cinema where it came out than The Wrath of Khan so even though I've seen The Wrath of Khan millions of times it's very clear in my how excited though was probably just the excitement level yeah I think that makes sense how they were going to how yeah. they were going to bring him yeah. how that was all going to mm. work I would uh, do you know what I'd compare it to slightly is the Avengers the new next Avengers film yeah you're all we're all aware of why I'm in the last Avengers film yeah. and that ending and opinions differ on how mm. you know how clever or, or, or that powerful it was well you know we're all incredibly excited how are they going to resolve that now mm. back in the day that's going to yeah. be like how Search for Spock yeah. you're like Khan was how, a great how, setup for yeah. this film how yeah. are they going to sort this thing out yeah. and yeah, so it true. was almost the event of it <laughs> and the kind of the slight comedy value of the of the final product. Yes. That yeah. you know, and again, it's all about my memory of it rather than so I'm not saying it's the best, I'm saying it's no. my favourite. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I think that's interesting. Like I say, yeah, I, I actually quite I am the defender for Search for you are. this show. Like again oh, against you. Like, uh, <laughs> but um, before we get into showtime, one thing I wanted to mention, just a quick bit of news, just oh, because yeah. oh. Live I news. noted that when this news was announced, you rather skimmed over it on the Pilot TV <laughs> podcast, uh, Boyd. Uh, probably because Terry might have ended up dropping oh, yeah. what the fuck is going on at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, but it is Star Trek related Ooh. because um, Hulu are doing a relaunch of Howard the Duck yes. um, with yeah. Kevin Smith, a yes. showrunner. Yes. Um, this is a result of obviously Netflix losing all their Marvel acquisitions and everything like that. Disney Plus is getting set up mm. and they want a place for more adult themed content that is now yeah. going to be Hulu. Yeah, uh, so Hulu is under their own arm. Yeah, yeah, See? exactly. Yeah. And they're launching like four kind of adult animated like cartoons, one of which is. <laughs> Have you not heard about this one? No. Okay. Is this cool. why you sent me the Howard Duck trailer? Yeah, like yeah that's, that's exactly yeah, that's <laughs> okay. it. Because the reason it's connected is because Howard the Duck, the cinematographer, was Richard H. Klein, who was also the DOP for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay. The- responsible for those long running yeah. shots around yeah. the Beautiful ship shots like that model of the ship so basically I just want to say this is why I text you Boyd and ask I you see. have you seen Howard the Duck yes yes what? I absolutely have seen what are your thoughts yeah. um, what are your thoughts yeah, you Howard the Duck I, I remember hating it I really hated Howard the Duck yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's but there are again there are people on I think doesn't Mark Kermode I feel have a, have a slight oh, um, God, I think he wants a cast for um, Howard the Duck for some reason <laughs> um, um, so 
but no, I don't. I I I, I watched it again. Yeah, I did watch it when it came out, and I think I probably watched it once, maybe since then on TV. But it is unbearable. Yeah, to have real reverence for that, yeah. just on what I've seen, it is you have to. Absolutely yeah, because I said you trailer. Yeah. You just watched yeah. the trailer. Yeah. and that was enough for you. That was and I made, made, by the way, apologies to Mark Cohen if I've misspoke on that. I might have done. He's, def- I, he's definitely discussed it quite a lot, and it might. Be he for definitely likes more yeah. films. So right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Has some kind of weird. It's possible. I actually watched most of it uh, very recently because of that connection wow. kind of thing. Like you know, to see because it wouldn't it wouldn't come up on spot colored movies because just. DOP isn't enough no. to be like no. yeah, discuss it and um, yeah I got about kind of a, over an hour in over wow. an hour in wow. but Netflix actually kind of it went off Netflix ah. after a few, and I wasn't like oh god I need to see the rest I've got to go buy it or something like that yeah um, yeah I mean crack food that's all you need to know <laughs> basically yeah, and absolutely. used like Howard the Duck condoms wow, as well really? like, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, film yeah, yeah, yeah. not the just film. separate merch no, in, <laughs> in the film I mean it is officially branded it's a weird movie but what do you think thoughts about the new series the Hulu I mean you know the, it's it's interesting they'll clearly go remake anything won't they they'll take anything if it's fake I mean it is a famous yeah. project I'm just looking I've just looked it up looking it up it also John Barry as I, as I suspected did the music that's yes. weirdly one yeah, thing yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. about that and Thomas Dolby did the songs. I mean, Thomas you know, Dolby. Thomas Dolby did have some quite impressive credentials. Unproduced really. by George Lucas, of course. Of course. Like, Lucas. Yeah. yeah, that was his big, uh, big disaster. Yeah, but it is unbearable to watch. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's really because I, I do have quite an interest in kind of films from about kind of 30 years ago mm. that are meant to be notoriously bad and thinking well perhaps if we kind of dig them out yeah, there yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. there'll be a diamond yeah, in the rough yeah. somewhere kind Sorry. of like you know maybe if we pull Ishtar off the shelf or something like that <laughs> yeah. it might be great yeah but some of them like, go full circle and come back around to being this is exactly like misunderstood yeah, at the time yeah, but yeah. The, this was not no, no. no. maybe no, another sure. 30 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe they're taking that knowledge you know and, and they're going well, everyone thought the film was shit, so we'll make a, you know, TV show can't possibly be that bad. So I think yeah. it'll be self-consciously, I don't know, my, my feeling is kitsch and kind of It slight. is interesting, because Kevin Smith was almost doing that Buckaroo Banzai oh, yeah, thing yeah, as well. Yeah, was yeah, that yeah. a sequel or a series? Uh, I think it was meant to be like a sequel. Yeah, yeah so he like must that. have, yeah. like, Is he showrunning it, though? He's showrunning it, yeah, yeah along was... with um, the guy who created Aquatine Hunger Force. You ever yeah, seen yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... Sorry. It's it's one of those things where I know I am big convert nerd and I know that Howard the Duck is as a comic at least right. very like revered yes. kind of thing like you yes. know so I don't think the film is meant to be representative no. of the comic book okay. at all. Yeah. So if Kevin Smith's a big comic book guy yeah. as well, yeah, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith. So you know, yeah. I, I would definitely I'm, I'm excited from that point of view. It'd be nice to see him have a win. Yeah. but. Showtime. Showtime. That's Showtime. Can't put it off Showtime. <laughs> we cannot put it off. <laughs> we're trying. Longer. Um, yeah. yeah, 2002, as you say, written by Mr. Keith Sharon. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple of words for him, I believe. Do you want to read them now or later? Yeah, well, I'll read this little, this okay. is a funny little story. This <laughs> is a little anecdote from his uh, article he wrote in The Guardian. Okay. Before the film, the week before the film came out, and he said, uh, he goes on set, right? So first, he, he arrives on set right. when they're making it. He says, then I saw William Shatner. He's sitting there alone. He's eating a plate of food. <laughs> 
free food is tucked into every crevice on a movie set. I take a deep breath. Mr. Shatner, I'm Keith Shannon, and I wrote Showtime, I said. Are you here to pick up your unemployment check, he said, with a big laugh. <laughs> I thought that, that is a perfect riposte. And of course, in this article, Keith Shannon's like, oh, you know, he's, he's, making, he's making fun of me. It's all fine, you know, it's great banter. I think actually... The tears are off screen. Yeah, I think actually, well, I think actually yeah. Shatner's thinking, this script is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that Shatner throwing down the gauntlet. So he says, um, uh, coolest Hollywood moment of my life to be dissed by William Shatner, he says. Coolest Hollywood, Hollywood moment of his yeah. life. And they have a discussion about the fact that he wrote it for him. And he did write for he wrote that element of it for Shatner. He wanted Shatner to be in it basically as the advisor to these doofuses um, with his TJ Hooker. You know, this is post. Yes. So Shatner, apart yeah. from being in Star Trek, his other most mm. famous thing up until that point was being in TJ Hooker. It was a big hit. Very quite cheesy, you know, but very entertaining. Were you, very you a fan? I was a fan. Wow. I was a fan. Um, uh, yeah, weekly, um, kind of incredibly mainstream uh, cop show on yes. American TV, and it was shown here. Um, yeah, so he that was he that he came up with the idea of you of having Shadow playing himself within the context of uh -huh. this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that 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 was the case that he was like it's got to be Shatner mm. everything like that because watching the film I say that Shatner's role really seems a slight odd and misplaced in terms of why is he a TV actor cop being employed to show these cops how to act in a reality show. You, I mean, can't, maybe, you can't dig into the logic uh, of this at all. Well, maybe that's the whole apart, point. Like, the thing is, it's, it's one of those odd films where it's obviously it's meant to be a satire. Yeah. And so there's sometimes odd things that happen that you go, is this the film being smart? And genuinely, this is part of the satire or not, because it's hard to believe that the film is as smart as sometimes it would have to be to pull off some of the decisions. Yeah, yeah. I think it is a smart idea in theory. Yes. Right? So I think in theory, the, the notion is um, that so we've got a um, proper real life veteran cop played by Robert De Niro, who's reluctantly been told he has to take part in a reality show about cops, right, by his boss, because mm -hmm. he's he screwed something up in the beginning. So there's a big setup for that, that he has to, he has to take yeah. part in the show. And that show. was a pretty clever way of locking that yeah, character into that decision, it's yeah. quite airtight, done quite quickly. Done yeah. quite quickly. Then he's teamed with this rookie doofus, played by Eddie Murphy, not rookie, but lower level, mm. isn't he? Who is definitely a doofus. It's kind of over-eager. Yeah, over-eager. Yeah, very green. Also, there's a setup for why he might end up being forced to be the, the uh, partner in the show of Robert De Niro's Coco. So two mismatched buddy cops who don't get on, and they're, ba they're both they're taking part in this um, reality show. And then you've got Rene Rousseau as the producer kind of bringing them together. And you might, and she, and she, from the start it's clear but De Niro doesn't want to take part, so he doesn't give a shit about, you know, kind of playing along with the thing. Mm. With the, and there is the element of, well, you know, even though it's reality, you, they have to act a bit, so they have to perform yeah. to make it work properly. So there's that, that's dropped in there, that, that as the, you know, part of the satire on reality TV yeah. and all of that. So there is a certain logic to the idea that she's going to bring in an actor from who's used to playing a cop to explain to these two actual cops 
but taking part in a reality TV show, how to be on mm. a TV show version. Yeah. Yeah? Because yeah? the difference there is pretty cool. And yeah, yeah. to have to be like, now you're a real cop, you have to leave those instincts behind right. to be, do the silly things that you might go. Yeah. Because it's like I've got a friend who's, uh, who's a doctor and he can't watch anything where people are just like, you know, bringing right. resuscitating people and doing all sorts of stuff. So he'd be like, no, you wouldn't do that. No, they'd be dead then. It's like, you have to leave that logic behind at a certain point. So he's coming on, I guess, to say, yeah, you would be pissed off at having to just do a p- patrol, but it's the cameras, you yeah. gotta do something, yeah. And, and the scenes where he, I mean, there's, what, there are only two of them, maybe? Where yeah. he's, um, <laughs> the actual where, film, yeah. The actual film, where he is advising them, are quite funny. I mean, quite, quite I mean, they're, funny. you know, um, so in this one, he, he teaches them how to um, jump off, land on the bonnet of a car. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. those, like Starsky and Hutch, TJ Hooker style, Starsky and Hutch style, cop lands on car thing, roll, rolls off car, and he he gets hurt. Yes. Trying to do it himself yeah, yeah. at this point, obviously, William Shatner is not quite as live as he was. <laughs> Excellent Shatner Prattful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shatner Prattful. Um, and he points out how terrible an actor is De Niro's character is at one point. So it's like, you know, he's he is the satirical setup, really. Mm, mm. And, and as I say, when you read the article he wrote, it's clear that part of the, the, the thing that made his script jump out to the producers was that Shatner element. Yeah. Right? Let's never forget this. <laughs> Uh, it was the all comes back to Shatner so Shatner playing himself and being the satirical crux of this film Big Cell Big Cell was a key element okay let's taste some drugs Hooker's got a bag of white powder in his hand spears it open with a pocket knife takes his little pinky in the powder and he touches it Gently on his tongue. Watch the eyebrows. Hooker knows it's cocaine. What if it's cyanide? Yeah, in the end, as we all, as we know, he ends up only being in a couple yeah, of scenes. Yeah, I'd even argue that's where they, they went wrong. And the well, core, totally. The core of the Absolutely. film should have been these two guys and Shatner as the third person. He's the Pesci. Yeah, in yeah, the like right. Rus- in the Russo part where he's seeing it through from beginning to end and throughout yeah. of being like, I'm say he's the director, so I'm directing the show and I have the cop acting know-how. The Rennie Russell character should have been popping up occasionally as the yeah. money-grabbing like producer and trying to keep things straight. Mm-hmm. The relationship is between the two cops who had the love-hate thing and then him as a third part of a kind of love-hate triangle. Yeah. And bringing him in that much would have opened up so many more possibilities to keep running with the satire and keep all the action going and give Shatner a lot more to do as well. I completely agree. And I think the one, the, one of the big problems of the film is that it sets you up as if he is going to be right yeah. yes. in the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he, then he just fucking disappears. Yeah. He kind of yeah, just yeah. cuts through a montage, like yeah. a five-minute-long montage, yeah. and the show's a hit. And yeah, it's, and that is annoying. Because, and then, and then they focus more on of the inevitable um, pairing of mm. Rene Russo and Robert Dinosaur, which is obviously so there's that kind of romantic yeah. element a little bit in it, you know. And the real case they're kind of right. And there's the real. So. So, I think the producers just thought, well, we've got De Niro and Murphy. We've got Rene Russo as a kind of love interest slash, you know, driver of the project mm-hmm. person. We've got the villains and that, that little gang. We've got Mo's Def's, Mo's Def's character, yeah. who also kind of isn't really good oh, yeah. enough to do. There's just too much. There are too many, mm. I think, for the producer's point of view, too many 
characters in this thing for them to really give Shatner his due. Yeah. But they, as you say, they totally went down the wrong route. And because Russo, by the second half, just oh. ends up literally kind of like yeah. just the love interest part because she doesn't really have to manage the show no. anymore. It's happening. Right. All she does is pop up again to like rearrange his room yeah. and piss him off. <laughs> but she's not room, actively yeah. like pushing anything forward. No, and it ends up being the second hour of the film ends up being just this kind of tediously <laughs> it's always the thing isn't it, with comedy thrillers or action comedies where you know those, which is what this is buddy you know the other, one other reason why I, I, I cho- chose it because Midnight Run right which is the yes. template for this film Love it. for all of these films yeah. is one of the greatest films we studied it at university for its oh, script brilliant yeah. Yeah, Midnight Run is, is in my top five films of all time mm-hmm. right and should be, you know, should have won Best Picture. Seriously, yeah. incredible film. And obviously, this again, this is like that, but completely fails to do what that did, which is give this these two mismatched um, buddies anything funny to say to each other. Yeah. So the whole second hour of the film, where once Shatner disappears, it's like them just making this thing and them having proper villains to deal with and there's action. But the comedy just dies on its feet, isn't it? Because they're not giving anything funny to say. They're just kind of like a bit annoyed with each other, yeah. you know, and then that's resolved. And it's almost like literally just that yeah. show, how that show oh. would have been, which is bad. It's a disaster. <laughs> so it, again, so I could just mention how the template is been around, yeah. which is still absolute masterpiece. And it is almost such a shame that it's day. almost that it is yeah. De Niro in this right. film because you can't help but compare. And you're course. like, he's in Midnight Run mode, but doing it as if yeah. he could not give yeah. a fuck. And, and it kind of works that he because he hates any of his character so much. But it's almost like I don't even think you're acting here. I think you're just sleepwalking oh, yeah. through the whole thing. Absolutely. Probably hated Murphy on the set. Yeah, that's what comes across. <laughs> well, this is kind of really the beginning of De Niro's paycheck era, isn't yeah. it? Really, like because yeah. you feel like right up into the late nineties, he's still doing movies that he gives a shit about and stuff mm. like that. And then suddenly, like a Nicolas Cage, like Bruce Willis, people like that, yeah. like there's this huge drop. Yeah. He just suddenly starring in everything, and not only like starring in everything bad, but clearly does not give a shit yeah. about it either. Like no, you know, like, the idea of De Niro being in something like Dirty Grandpa, <laughs> like you know, still kind of haunts me yeah, yeah, um, to this day. But in, in regards to this, yeah, you're exactly right in the sense of it basically becomes the kind of movie that it's satirising yeah. in a lot of ways because yeah. suddenly you get this amped up cartoonish. Violence, you've got massive set pieces which feel like a lethal. I mean, this becomes a lethal weapon essentially, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I mean, you've even got Rene Russo in there as mm-hmm. the love interest. Yeah. Like, you know, that's why I can't mention Shatner almost being like the Pesci of the piece, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. And yeah, by the end, you're just kind of like, you're having your cake and eating it, it's not working. The first half of the film kind of repeatedly sets up all these kind of little satirical jokes and plotting and then it just completely throws it out yeah. the window and for the second yeah. half it's just De Niro shouting get that camera out of here <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The time entire time film. Yeah. Yeah. like it feels because like, yeah, at the start I was like this feels quite smart for mm. a kind of buddy cop satire yeah. in 2002 and also touching on reality TV yeah. but then by the midpoint my notes are like what movie is this trying to be is it trying to be a genuine drama because there are points where it does just come across as like a cop drama mm. and then comedy comedy is gone it can't quite place the tone it can't ever settle it down and it doesn't help that the villain is the most bland yeah, directionless yeah, yeah. logic free thing ever and yeah. so the case the big the big case isn't that interesting and you don't get enough time to see yeah. them do little things because yeah. it montages through it I think for the first Ten minutes. It's quite funny and quite, and, it, and when it's being satirical, when it's setting that up, mm. and the, the scenes with Rene Rousseau has a scene where she meets the boss of the is it the network or the production company, something like that. A boss who's being a you know being an obnoxious oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That, that, that's quite fun. 
um, and vaguely well written. And the setup, as we said before, the setup of what, how Dinero ends up being forced to do this is okay. But from then on, yeah, it's just like, you know, watch. He, he, he does genuinely, yeah. as you say, genuinely look like he's pissed off. <laughs> and obviously, he happens to be playing someone who is pissed off, being forced to do a thing, yeah. forced to take part in a project. So he's wonderful. <laughs> and it's just feel like, oh my it's God. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is like a, the whole project is like, oh, we're kind of going to take Midnight Run meets 48 Hours mm. meets, um, mm. meets uh, Rene Rousseau's one. What was it? Um, uh, you mentioned um, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, thank mm. you. So all of these like buddy cop things, it would take elements of all of them and kind of mangling them together yeah. in a vaguely satirical way, and it'll be fine. And you and I get the set, and you watch De Niro and Eddie Murphy as well. I watch him in some, you know, in some scenes, and he's like clearly like wants there to be a funnier joke. I feel his face is like I'm he's been this wanting bit. that for the last twenty <laughs> years yeah. in all his films. But what is interesting, what I remember, I, I, you, the point you made about this being part of the start of De Niro's mm. doing shit films period. Is that I do remember he, in 2002 that it, it, we, we were still excited by De Niro's mm. got a new film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just now, post Meet the Parents, yes. isn't it? Which was a comedy hit. Which was great. Mm. So we're still like, oh, okay. The, so the idea before we saw it of De Niro in 2002 doing a film with Eddie Murphy, who again was, already t- was starting to tail off mm. a bit, um, was exciting. Yeah. And then the reality struck. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in theory, this was, oh, you know, this is a, this is a decent project. And Shatner. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, of course, by the time you get to sort of the midpoint, the extent of the satire is just literally cut, you know, shots of yeah. De Niro in, a, in the big brother chair just reeling off one-liners. And it's like, oh, yeah, all they right, have bits clever. That, yeah, they have bits in it where they're, where they're doing their diary. They have to do diary entries. Yeah. yeah. Which are very weird, very weird and, and quite badly done. De Niro's just like, oh, mm. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. What's another one? Uh. Yeah. And you feel like those are... You know, they've just took De Niro, do, do some stuff <laughs> as if you were doing a diary, and he's like, okay, and he's kind of annoying. Uh, they're just they're like, gold, too real. The There's yeah. loads of them. Yeah. We said the, di- so the director directed Shanghai News, another one, that was another kind of buddy thing. It was a hit. Mismat- it was yeah. a hit. Um, then Failure to Launch, which was a, a fa- famously terrible. Yes. Um, McConaughey. Marmaduke. Marmaduke, <laughs> also famously <laughs> terrible. And that was his last film, wasn't it? So, yes. You know, yeah, I feel. They've learned. I, I, sorry, Tom Dave, he's listening, but you know, it, it's not a great resume, is it? It's not a great. He's now directing the Snatch TV series. Oh god, it's okay. Cinema well, TV I'll, boy, you'll be covering it soon. Do you know what? I was invited on the set of that, so I'm quite oh, pleased really? I didn't accept that invitation. Oh, yeah. thank god! Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you run into Dave, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've just been on this podcast yeah. chatting about this film. Part of me wants to speak to him about it, yeah, and find out because I think the other thing I was going to say was, having seen watched it again, this is the first time I've seen it since I saw it in 2002, is that I'd love to see a documentary about the making of it, because mm. in a way it's, you know, was it, as you say, it has this kind of feel like as if they probably, the, the atmosphere on set was bad, since yeah. their ego is clashing. But yeah, kind of like first time writer and presumably yeah. like a newbie director trying to wrangle two big stars yeah. at yeah. a point when they were still really big. Uh, in such a big spectacle film, because you know, like you say, but when it, when the action stuff comes, it yeah. is genuine. Like the the chase, the car chase, later on. Eighty five budget, massive <laughs> budget. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even now, that's not a small budget, but back no. then it was it was pretty. That's huge. over like a hundred mil today. Yeah, Murphy, like right? twenty million of yeah. that is to like Murphy. Right. Of course. Right. Yeah, right. of course. Yeah. But even then, it's still a lot. The actions, as you say, the action. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Misguided yeah. When De Niro's car gets impelled by the forklift yeah. truck, there's yeah. the yeah. insane. That's great. Like flooding room. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, the weird thing is, is I actually think that end action sequence where 
they kind of shoot out the roof and there's obviously a swimming pool above it. So it comes in, smashes through the glass of this skyscraper they're in and they're getting pulled it's out. It's like Hobbs and Shaw or something. Uh, yeah, I actually think it's yeah. quite an inventive, cool little action sequence, yeah. but it doesn't fit in this no, film. No. Like you say, it's like no. Fast and Furious yeah. set And there's terrible green screen throughout that entire finale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, that is clunky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, there is a making of, but unfortunately it is the puff piece from the time presented by Shannon right. oh, okay. um, himself. Yeah. And but he's, he's in character as himself yeah, in he that is. film. Yeah, he is. He's talking about the other guys as if they're their oh, characters. That's weird. I haven't yeah. watched this DVD extra about it. it. So what, what, what's watch. he doing? He's got about 10 minutes, to, you know, 10, 15 minutes screen time, so more than the movie. He's, so like, he's, he's pretending that he's, he's advising them. He's doing like bits and then it cuts to pre-recorded uh, interviews, but it's him like on a kind of set going like yes it's not easy being a TV cop and I've had to deal with these two and you see them on the screen behind him and stuff well the opening is him like again, driving against really bad back projection like deliberately so yeah. isn't it going like it's oh, just okay. it's right. very it's right. very very and just odd. a cringe bit where like there's some guy with a camera and a boom just like up in his face and he's like when you're in the spotlight like me you gotta get this out of my face one thing I was going to say you mentioned the scene where Rene Russo is trying to sell this Yes. to like her producer boss yeah. and she says that De Niro is sexy and she let him <laughs> frisk her and I had to ask the question I was like is De Niro at this point sexy? Um, that's like, a good question. Um, I, I, th- I thought you were going to ask something different. Was about this whole sexual politics. Yeah, well, I mean, which are spectacularly dated. Yeah. Which you go, which you mentioned, I'll mention that in a sec. But to answer your question, just about maybe. I mean, it's not. It's definitely no Midnight Run. I mean, Midnight Run, no. I think, was peak. De Niro sexiness. I mean, well, some would say maybe taxi driver. <laughs> you know, if you Cape Fear. Cape Fear. If you want a muscle man, yeah, Cape Fear. Um, but apart from the taxi driver era, if you find a psychopathic, uh, you know, a, a topless psychopath sexy, then they're fine. He's pretty buff. Yeah. But I think Midnight Running was sexy because the character was so yes. great. Yeah, yeah. And he was, you know, yeah, there was a kind of, you know, a, a kind of, what's the word? A laid backness to him, and that. Mm, weirdly, yeah. even though he's being uptight with um, with um, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin, you know, when there's something about the way he does that whole film that's incredibly sexy, I think. But I don't think he mm. is in this. He feels like his character from this film's bad boy brother, right? Like yeah. a, a bail bondsman guy, whereas that's this guy's true, his yeah. straight laced, older, more yeah. boring brother. Boring, yeah. yeah, incredibly yeah. under, just one dimensional character, but. The, so yeah, that bit where Renner also goes on about how it's funny, and then he, when they, they meet in that bar, don't they, she takes him for, she, she, yes, yeah. she, it's an incredible scene where she walks into <laughs> his regular bar, which is, you know, full of men, there's only men in there. Cops bar. It's like a cops bar. No women, no women cops. No bar. women cops. So there's no no women in this bar at yeah. all. And she walks in as if it's like a. It's one of those scenes where someone walks into the saloon in the Wild West. <laughs> you know, they're like the one rival they got. To be like, she's just a woman in was you know wherever the, was it in New York wherever it's set. Um, in this, and they're all literally like the bar. Like, yeah. They're all looking at her like she should not be allowed there. She, in two thousand. Is this the uh, is this the diner where she orders the burger? So it's a diner. So it's right, a diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, diner bar. It's like yeah. whatever it is. It, yeah. And it's the classic. Yeah. Like, women uh, in a diner. Yeah. It's a safe space. Yeah. It's, like, it's, a, yeah, it's like the whole tenor of the scene is how dare she enter the lion's den of a diner bar where cops eating burgers and shit. It's, it's like, the classic. Weird. Instead of like like Maya McFly trying to order like a whiskey or something, it's her going, "I'll take the the, yeah. the, bur- the manly yeah. burger that I can't yeah. possibly handle because it's yeah. so gross." So they look at her like she's this alien from outer space, and she's just a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. <laughs> um, and then yeah, it's 
just it, it, it absolutely extraordinary scene, but it shows, shows you and it feels so dated. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. alone is like yeah, well, yeah. that scene is you never in a million years would you write that scene now. No. Um, you know, and even like if you're making a made-to-video, mm. I don't think you write gangster films. Like, you still wouldn't write that no. scene. Um, but, I mean, you, you say what about De Niro being so one-dimensional, but what about all the care taken the show that he has a pottery hobby? That rounds him out, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. The pottery what? hobby is random. Is this before or after Ghost? Is it after. 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 Well, that's got to be a Ghost influence, hasn't it? Because he he's, yeah, he's pottering. Doesn't that to make him more sexy, maybe, as a leading maybe. man? I don't know. I don't know what, it, well, I don't know what its intention is. It's trying to, like, it just becomes an easy way for them to, like, Murphy be like, oh, who made this? A kid. Oh, you. Ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just like an easy thing to chuck in that Murphy can throw at him yeah. because at that point Murphy's very much on the back foot yeah. you know, it's like he's found a chink in his armour like, like, you know, it's like, weird because if, if it's showing that he's got like a homely side but it's not like he's a cop who's nearly retiring. He likes his job and he mm. he's good at it and he wants to keep doing it. Yeah. So does he really it's, need this? It's the deer hunter moment in this film. <laughs> yeah. Instead of letting kind of like this deer live, he's like, I make pottery. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's it's a desperate attempt to add a dimension to his, to his yeah. one other one. That he's got in the yeah. film. I don't think he. I tell you how dated this film was. This came out in two thousand two, and in Mos, in Moss Def's lair at the start, he's got a Super Nintendo underneath his table. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. and this is like five years after the N64 came out, so he's rocking retro in 2002. And Mostef's character, by the way, again is unbelievable, but basically racist. You know, this kind of like <laughs> terrible African American, you know, or just yeah. absolutely awful character. I don't think you get away with him now either. I mean, I hope not. Uh, let's take it back to the opening because you were saying about how the opening was quite funny. Funny enough, I actually thought the very opening scene. Uh, <coughs> De Niro as he's kind of giving a lecture uh, to a class of yes. very young mm, students yes. and it's set up as this yeah. kind of it, I thought this scene was so obvious such an obvious joke and then it cuts to terrified kids and I'm just kind of I don't get what the joke yeah. is here because you, you see the chalkboard behind him I'm like where do you think he's meant to be yeah. like you know in terms of like I was like is this meant to be like the police academy yeah. and, or what, like and that? what he's like, saying like, isn't that hardcore yeah, it's funny yeah, if he was yeah, like yeah. you will go to prison and you get pounded yeah, every day. It needed to be like, more extreme yeah, because the things yeah. he's saying are really quite normal. But yeah. the kids are like, oh my God, he's just, like you say, he's just told us we're getting a rape. <laughs> like, he's, he's really, yeah. I don't get it at all. But funny, the scene that issues Murphy, mm. I actually did think was kind of clever because it, at that point, watching it, I didn't realise that Murphy genuinely no. played an actual cop in the film. I assumed it was the hard way <laughs> yeah. with Michael J. Fox yeah. and James Woods. Where, like Kiss like, Kiss yeah, Bang Bang or something. Exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Where it's a case of he'd be an actor yeah. and De Niro's teaching him right. how to be kind right. of a cop in, yeah. a, in a show. And Murphy's bringing him up to be TV yeah, 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 level. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was watching this scene where he's doing some kind of like deliberately bad acting. I was like, oh, this is quite funny. <laughs> and then it is the reveal that it's like, oh, he's an out-of-work actor. And I was like, okay. And then he walks out, and he's still actually in a police a uniform, and he's got a cop car. And I was just like, oh, he's actually a cop. Oh, that's quite a good little twist. Yeah, like, so, actually so quite, there's there's uh, the other um, fix. You have Shatner as the actual main person running the show, and then you make Murphy be an actor, not an actual cop. Because with yeah, him being yeah, an actual yeah. cop kind of ruins the entire thing. Yeah. It's you can have the buddy cop thing with one cop and one actor. The whole thing screams rewrite, doesn't it? Like, yes. In terms yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like, because there there's other credited screenwriters on the, aren't there? At least one, maybe. Uh, yes, Miles Miller and Alfred Goff, right. who are the creators of Smallville. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there you right. go. But so I feel that 
somehow I, I can't believe that the setup was originally in the original script that Eddie Murphy's was a cop I feel that's mm. too weird mm. to so have, why is he a cop yeah right why is he a cop so, so you've got that scene which is quite, as you say quite clever mm. because you, yeah and then he inter- it turns out that he's doing it they're doing a, he's, he's auditioning in a bad cop show yeah and he gets but slagged he, off by quite amusingly slagged off by the people auditioning him mm. and then he yeah and it's like if he books says, oh, that job if he books that job does right. he what does he do about his right. actual how job many like, co- how, do you get that time how many cops are there out there who want to be actors doing playing yeah. a cop it's too weird so yeah. for me that rigs of like someone's gone yeah. we can't just have him being an actor playing a cop because that's because that's been done, or mm. maybe I'll say, wouldn't it be better? And you're like, no, it wouldn't really, but they've stuck with that it rewrite. It would have been so strong and funny if he yeah. was like, uh, you know, Jake Johnson in Let's Be Cops, the entire premise of Let's yeah. Be Cops. If he was an actor who just had a wardrobe of costumes yeah, and wore yes, to auditions. Yes, so, that, so that scene yeah. where he gets his friend to pretend mug Rene Russo and he tracks down, if he was doing all that with his like rented yeah. cop yeah. outfit, mm, so he, mm. he was just pretending really hard and that got well, him in. I actually put my m- notes Murphy is not only unsuccessful as a wannabe actor, but also as a cop <laughs> like, yeah, in terms yeah. of like he's shit at both like, jobs so yeah. I'm just kind of like he clearly doesn't really give a crap about being a cop and, and I never get that idea in terms of you get the if impression he wants to that be a detective he's being a cop like as a stopgap or something I'm like yeah. no one is a cop as a stopgap no. that's no. not like a job you just fall no. into yeah. it is like a vocation yeah. going like you know he's either got to be like an A-lister actor who's brought on to be a real cop or <laughs> like the shittiest actor who's brought on under the tutelage of the best cop mm, mm, not yeah. like half and half it on both sides at one point though uh, Murphy deliberately stages a hoax arrest to impress the producers of yeah. the show I actually thought that was quite a funny scene because um, he wrote in one of his old stage combat class played by uh, yeah Kadeem Hardison from me and Paul's favourite movie Drive 1997 (laughs) I knew I'd see him again is he the main the main dude yeah along with Matt Dacascos yeah Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was pleased to see him again. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a genuinely fun scene, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that scene, yeah. Um, but it's the last fun scene in the film. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, apart, apart from, from Shatner. Apart from Shatner. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just was really confused about Shatner's actual role in that production, the sense of he seems to be actually directing the trailer for the show. Oh, yeah, so that's just, a good point. Yeah, yeah so really like, wait a minute, are you an advisor? Yeah. Are you actually in charge? Yeah, yeah. and they don't, they don't set up, do they? No. And you know, in the in the um, uh, what's it called? In the credit sequence, they show outtakes. Don't they? Yes, they do. Maybe there's more of this in the, on the DVD. But they show out. There's an out scene of an outtakes, which I don't think is it, which isn't in the film, is it? It Where is, and it's in the deleted scenes. Yeah. Right, oh, is it? So yeah. I assume that that scene maybe was a setup for why she's bringing him in, or does that? No, no? that's after. Oh. That's at the premiere party oh. for Showtime. Okay. It's this massive like premiere party scene with like hundreds of extras. So like, obviously, cost a lot of money. I actually watched the commentary on the deleted scenes <laughs> with the director saying like you know yeah this actually costs loads of money and everything like that we, but we just couldn't find a place for it in the film so we that montage instead so it's weird they do not set up Shatner's role in, no. the, in, the, in the film not at all yeah it's so bizarre so you just arrive just straight in yeah. straight in and you're like, is he playing himself? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to realise. It takes a while to realise that he is. Until they mention TJ Hooker, right? Right, until they mention TJ Hooker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, oh, and you're like, oh, that's quite bold, you know. Mm. And again, I go back to, I think, what the, what the, when they read the, the original script, it was the boldness of that idea. Get Shannon to play himself mm. in, in this preposterous film. Well, especially as, at that stage, at least, 
were quite early on in the idea because actors playing themselves have become such a huge thing now. Yeah. But in, in 2002, not in a 90 million dollar big blockbuster no. film. Uh, it's yeah, it's yeah, exactly. weird, which I think is why they got rid of him so much, why they cut him out. Maybe. Because yeah, I think yeah. it was just too weird a prospect to have this big. Buddy, ninety million action comedy film, and have William Shatner yeah. of it playing himself mm, off mm. T.J. Hooker. See, it would have been funnier odd. if, like, they if the producer was really clueless about cop dramas. Yes. So tried oh, to get on. like a yeah. TV cop on and thought him, but got someone else. So so ma- imagine if. Uh, Shatner wasn't a TV cop, but he was only really Kirk. Yeah. But they thought he yeah. was. They're like, oh, we got him on, and they're like, that's Captain Kirk. And then it's somebody who's like known for being something completely different, trying to direct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to point out about Shatner's scene. I don't know if you noticed this. There's a bit where Shatner's telling Mitch and Shry, the characters that De Niro and Murphy play, that they mustn't turn their heads too much, or the camera won't see their faces. And in the next shot. Shatner's turned too far and we can't see his face (laughs) so I was and this is one of those moments where I was like is this just really awful direction or is that a joke like is that actually (laughs) a gag in terms of oh isn't this hilarious he's saying this but we can't see his face yeah I can't tell Um, I'm, I'm guessing bad, the bad direction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash editing, yeah. Completely. I, um, I just fit, felt like I'd broken through into yeah. another dimension yeah. at that point. Because it's like, fairly... Ba- for a $19 million movie, that's the only... Je- overall, I felt, watching it again, I mean, I just felt it was fairly basically made, isn't it? Technically. It's mm. not yeah, oh, yeah, very. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's not a slick... You wouldn't call it no. a slick... Thinking, you know, you you already got... I mean, I keep going on about Midnight Run, but from, you know, they were very well made... But yeah. cop movies mm. get happening at that point, which don't, don't feel particularly days even now. Whereas mm. this one, you look mm. at it and you're like, what? How, what this, the way it's made feels feels very ancient. Something well, like True Lies would have been ten yeah. years before and probably cost as much. What, you know, right. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. You know, what do they do with this budget apart from give twenty million to <laughs> Eddie Murphy? Yeah, yeah that actual these action production there. budget was like ten pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because the editor of the film is Billy Weber, who directed Forty Eight Hours, wow. one of the films that you would say there was inspiration yeah. for this. Yeah. Um, also, randomly, Terence Malick's like main editor <laughs> as well. Really? I mean, that, that is, is such a weird nice. like, and it, that's kind of after that as well because he edited like Tree of Life. And everything like that, so it's like wow. I don't, Malik saw Showtime. Like, ah, that's the guy, that's it. <laughs> this is the guy. And my guess is, like, my guess is the director and producers were in on the edit, <laughs> and they were telling him what to do. Because, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Guess we can only, yeah. I don't think they left him to it. That's just my feeling. Mind yeah. you, maybe Terrence Malick doesn't have an editor, and that's why <laughs> <laughs> that's he, he does pull out like eight hour cuts yeah. of his films yeah. at one point. So maybe Malick tells him what to do. <laughs> What do we think about the semi-hard turn into sci-fi with those guns? <laughs> Just these magical hole-shooting guns that can blow down a house. You know, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. It, 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 I, yeah, I gave him some credit are. being that it's not just a bad guy whose main thing is like a drug haul or a heist. It's like, oh, okay, you got some weird hardware, but well, the, the whole I don't know what his plan house, was. The whole destruction <laughs> of the house scene is semi-impressive, isn't it? Mm. There's, an, there's an idea, like how, how the house completely yeah. um, collapses, like, which is a bit like the scene in John Wick 2. Yes. That's a big, his house collapses scene. Like that, like, yeah. This is like yeah. a badly done version of that, <laughs> obviously, and John Wick is done brilliantly. <laughs> Point I was going to point out is we were saying when the scene where we find out De Niro makes pottery, <laughs> the bit moment. where he answers the door 
in his dressing gown, mm. and Murphy's on the other side yeah. with a brown paper mm. bag. <laughs> yeah. Now, did that not strike you as exactly the same setup, exactly as the scene in Goodfellas, mm. where Liotta turns up with a paper bag mm. with guns in it, mm. try to sell them to De Niro. De Niro turns up at the door in his dressing gown and he's not. giving him shit and everything. Mm. And I was like, this has got to be a callback. Probably. This has got to yeah, be probably. deliberate. Yeah. Like, I was just, especially the fact that we genuinely can't tell means <clears throat> they failed somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it was always, he brings in, um, doesn't really Russo arrive yeah, after? Yes, yeah, 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 so yeah, That yeah, could yeah, be yeah. a bit almost a joke in a way. Exactly. That it starts out being that like that bit in. A bit um, threatening. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. it ends up being, oh, they just carry around to, 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 be, to hang out. But again, I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, there's no logic to it. In terms of, in my head, I'm like, it's not really spoofing the scene. It's just kind of exactly mm. the same if it is it's too obscure yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. to the point that I was like actually is that the case or was it just that like the director was watching Goodfellas the night before or went that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, we've got De Niro. Yeah. Get me a brown paper bag. We're <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's Murphy showing up and doing his classic. Like, it, if it feels like De Niro, all he says throughout the film is get that camera on my face. All Murphy feels like he says is, we have to bond. He's just obsessed with bonding. So every time he shows up, he's yes. like there and in the car. By the time it's almost happening, it's like 20 minutes from the end of the film and you don't care. And then even after that, it's like, I don't think we ever really bonded. Well, there is a little subsection of the movie where they there's lots and lots and lots of satire moments where they're essentially trying to rewrite, um, especially De Niro's life, to fit in yeah. with the narrative of the reality show that they're crafting. Where I was actually getting quite excited about the film. It's like, oh, this is actually quite a mm. deconstruction of bullshit reality TV. They're kind of reconstructing their lives. They're giving a dog to appear more mm, sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. They've put hair dye in his hair and given him better clothes mm. and everything like that. They've done this mental thing where they build a special office in the centre of their real office yeah. where they can <laughs> film them, which felt like something out of the 21 Jump Street films mm. or something like that. Like, you know, That's actually, quite an yeah, idea, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah. I actually yeah. thought at that point, I was like, oh, this is actually some interesting ideas. Yeah. But they kind of, and there's even, um, there's a moment where she kind of says our research uh, finds detectives lives in and then lists iconic detective hangouts of movies right. like she says um, Rick's trailer on the beach uh, yep. from Lethal Weapons somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's quite a funny idea in terms of oh they're so soulless kind of like producers that they're actually going yeah yeah our research says this in terms of what the researching the public yeah. in terms of what they actually think cops lives are like but that's really compacted into this kind of small sequence and then it all gets thrown away in the yeah. second hour as you yeah. say it yeah. just yeah I kind of just feel it, it throws and out, De Niro just never changes so all this effort to like do all that there's not never a moment where he kind of caves and starts doing it the closest he gets is he likes the dog for a bit yeah. Well, but. the one thing I thought about that was after they have the first massively ridiculous set piece, where it's a massive car chase through, you know, and you're like De Niro's driving a lorry or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, his boss pulls him aside and says, you've never done anything like this before. And I was like, oh, okay. So they try to say that he's actually odd for this world. Mm. And now De Niro is actually playing up to the camera. 
So he's gone and done something that is genuinely mental. So his boss is like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this isn't a movie kind of thing. But actually now he's playing up to the cameras. Or again, am I giving this one too much credit? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Like if he was someone like like a traffic cop or something like that, that you can recognize as being super mundane and then he's doing these kind of things. But I think De Niro is portrayed at the start as being a good cop, but you got no sense of whether how big he goes in his in his dealings. It's always just no. like there's never a sense of like, oh, he's definitely super low key because you don't see you don't see examples. No, because I mean they set him up at the beginning as sort of being a maverick, Vic Mackey kind of style super. He's kind of because almost at the beginning, Murphy sort of watching him in terms of thinks he might be corrupt or something that's actually right, yeah. clearly got undercover yeah and a big which is also that doesn't work does it no, like, no, no the fact that so Eddie Murphy right at the, the first scene where they <laughs> meet each other or he's, Murphy sees De Niro he notices his gun and instead of thinking De Niro the, the way De Niro's behaving he screams cop yes yeah, you yeah. know and, but Murphy assumes he's a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a villain with a gun carrying a gun openly yeah. in his pocket walking around you know, you know in, a, in a grocery <laughs> store and sets up this big confrontation yeah. because he's absolutely 100% sure that he's a, he's a gangster with a gun and not that doesn't even cross his mind he might be a cop yeah like, he's like, like fucking idiot okay. I, mean, I know he's supposed to be yeah, an idiot yeah he might be an imbecile yeah, but yeah. He's all, that's the other thing in the, in, the, in the bigger scheme of things he's not funny enough is he is a yes. stu- mm. he's not stupid enough yeah. and yeah, part yeah. of me thinks you know as, as I think particularly happened in this period for big stars they were like mm. I'm not going to be that stupid mm. you know I know I'm the stupid one compared to De Niro but I'm not going to be that stupid so it feels yeah. like everything feels compromised doesn't it like yeah no I know, agree it could have been like every day on set funnier. started of them going I'm not doing that yeah exactly not doing that. I'm not doing that right <laughs> and it all right. just got diluted yeah. down to nothing but, like, right back to your, the one you mentioned the, the, the him in teaching the, teaching the kids it's yes. like well it could have been funny and they probably it just like, it was enough. too much Mm. So that it's a kind of, the joke doesn't work anymore because they compromised it and it's well it's a PG thirteen movie right um, yeah, and ridiculous. I did read uh, some stuff about it saying that they did have to pull it try and pull it down to a yeah. PG thirteen and they could only have one fuck in it and everything like that and you do feel like it's a film that should go R rated absolutely and then might yeah. actually have some more yeah. success I mean the whole the whole all the dialogue feels compromised to me yes you know, yeah, including yeah. the fact they should be swearing obviously. Mm-hmm. They should be swearing as they do in Midnight yeah, Run. Yeah. You're going on about it, um, and it feels like they're just talking in this weird way, where compromised, preposterously unrealistic way. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a problem. Well, yeah, I mean that is the issue in the sense of the rest of the film kind of needs to be more realistic. Yeah. To come and make the satire yeah. work. Right. Have some level of realism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it doesn't feel no. set in the real world, no. so no. therefore it can't satire exactly. the real world. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, we've got Paul's pre-prepared statement. Yeah, should we give like, a bit of a read of this? Yeah, yeah, so, go on, you start. Paul, mate. come on in. So, Paul gave it a, a review on the letterbox. Half a star. Half a star. So, Paul's statement, he says, So, showtime. This film should come with a health warning. It is absolutely cringeworthy dreck from the opening scene. The most shocking waste of acting talent potentially in history, and that is some stiff competition from Ocean's 12. It is simply incredible that there is not one laugh in a 90 minute runtime. I think the it's showtime scene when Eddie Murphy describes how he says it before doing something dangerous, and Rene Russo having to exclaim, that's great, that would make a great title of our show, is how I imagine the pitched meeting went. A group of people all too afraid to say, no, that's not good, that's not funny, all got together, and of $80 million made this pile of crap. The Shats 
he's the man we have to blame for being here. Well, he's probably the only person who comes out of this with any shred of credibility. His forward role gets the film the half star, I agree. You can't believe it's been 36 years since his gym scene in Charlie Hanks. He does a funny introduction in the making of on the DVD, which is better than the film. Shout out to my main man, Kadeem Hardison. Deserve better than this. Look up Jai Guy in 97. An action comedy made for 3.5 million and contains 50 times the action and laughs. Wait, 50 times zero is zero. Okay, you get the point. Well, while we're on math, I spent 50 pence on this. The price of two Freddo bars or five chomps, which I would much rather have had. One out of ten. Random thoughts. I thought Eddie Murphy's character was just some lunatic who was just playing dress up as a cop and very prepared for his audition until we finally see him at the station and he's actually employed there. Robert De Niro clearly needs a good writer, director and an R rating. He can do this type of role. See Midnight Run. Yeah. Uh, the villains were awful. Why that scene where they're just shooting things in a quarry? They'd already tested the guns on the low-level guy's house. And Renny Rousseau, I felt so sorry for her. She's better than this. See Nightcrawler. Well, Nightcrawler, she's essentially yeah. playing the Pretty same cool. role. That's true. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, the whole, she's had the whole renaissance with quite rightly. Yeah, no, completely. Um, yeah, but she does. I mean, she she kind of navigates the film with some level of dignity. I feel she doesn't. She kind of emerges mm. from it, you know. Better than De Niro, I would say. Yes. De Niro is clear, as you say, like clearly wants out. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I feel like she commits. Yeah, no, more. I agree. Well, I think than neither of the two leads really. So I think probably. Yeah, yeah, Shandler gets the most credit for his, you know, two scenes. In and out, yeah. In and out, and she does fine, and then the two of them are just both. Yeah, well, I think that's because they're not committed, are they? They don't no, give a shit. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, so, shall we move on to final thoughts? Yes. Or have you got more words? No, I've got another well, as, as we're nearing the end, I've, okay. got, a lovely, I've got a lovely little uh, <laughs> next thing that is from the, this original article by the writer, when he, okay. which, uh, which I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with as we're drawing to a close. He says, so he's relays the experience of hanging out on set, uh-huh. and he says, maybe when I see him again, meaning William Shatner, I'll have, got a, I'll have told him that I've got a lot of ideas about Showtime 2. <laughs> oh, well, and he never saw him but again. He, he says, but even if the sequel does, even if the sequel doesn't happen, he says, <laughs> poignantly, I'll always have my first day on the set hanging with William Shatner. Oh, well, he is, does have that. And that is literally all he does have. <laughs> well, because, he's getting inside. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, if we ever do meet Keith Sharon, if he's listening, sorry, Keith, but, you know, what were your ideas for Showtime 2? Please let us oh, know. We must know. Um, yeah, it's not, isn't it? Well, it would have to be done now with, like, because at the end of the film, of course, they have a second series, but it's two new female cops, and yes. they're, like, the advisors. So you could do it now, yeah. gender swap it, and then bring in those guys. Yeah. Oh, that would be more successful than the female um, funny enough, Sharon actually has written a new film, his first really? since Showtime really? last year. It's called Finding Steve McQueen. Uh, doesn't look like it's been released um, just yet. I think I saw a poster for this recently. It has got people. It has got people of note. It's got people. It's got, it's got people. It's got actual people. It's a film with people. Like, he didn't just make it on his own one by show. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they, there is a new. Mm. Keith Sharon masterpiece wow. just around the corner. Yeah, I'm looking it up now, yeah. There you go. You Travis go. Fimmel. That is the one I saw a poster for. William Fimmel. William Fimmel. Okay. He's yeah. done it. Yeah, he's done it. Okay. Put it straight on your watch list. My ass. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah. 
There you go. I mean, what, Mark Stephen what Johnson. Is that the Shatner, Daredevil guy? It, yeah, it's directed by the director of the, Ben Affleck. Yeah, Stenner. the bad, the bad, the bad Daredevil. Yeah, 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 yeah indeed. Okay. Well, no, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a go. Oh my God, it was filmed in 2016. Though. Oh, so it's been, it's been on the shelf. Yeah, it's been on the shelf for quite a while. Has it? Did someone else? It's come still and upcoming. Oh, see, there is another co-writer. Ken, Ken Hickson. So has he been rewritten again? Maybe, yeah. I mean, Ken Hickson's got quite a lot of um, kind of okay films on his CV. Venting uh, the Abbots, that was all right kind of thing, yeah. But yeah, oh, but I'm intrigued, maybe, you know. Poor old Sharon. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, you can give this a star rating if you want. Um, you can do half stars. I'm going to give it one. One star. For Shatner. I'm giving it one, one for Shatner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is the That's whole fair. reason I thought mm-hmm. you to watch this shocking film. <laughs> Matt. Uh, I before I give my star rating, oh. which you might be able to guess, I've got I pulled some other uh, letterboxed second opinions. Oh yes, from a few users here. So one chap, uh, Nenimo, said, like most movies made in the early two thousands. Oh, I guess it is. Uh, Grasso guy said, I fucking knew I saw this movie before. I was watching it and I was like, I fucking remember this. And then I heard him say Showtime, and I remembered. <laughs> And Rip Cage simply says, this movie would have been better if it were funny. <laughs> and I agree. And I give it one star also. One star also. Okay. I mean, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and give this film two stars. Um, just because uh, I do think there's potential and promise in there in a very, very muddled production. <laughs> um, you know, like I say, there is... There is a sequence like halfway through where I'm like, this could become something, yeah. even though it shouldn't be an action film. I think the action sequences are reasonably decent. Mm. I actually think Shatner's really good in there. Yeah. Uh, I, what I admire about it is he's given quite a naturalistic performance to himself. Yeah, he's not true. hamming up his own personality, point. Point, yeah. which I was quite impressed by. And it quite, can be quite hard to play yourself, actually. Isn't it? I've seen people yeah. playing themselves in all kinds of things where you think, oh, that's, yeah, you're right, he doesn't ham it up. That's a very good point. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think there is fun to be had with me. I mean, you're scraping that mm. two-star hard. Yeah. But I think also in my head, I'm thinking of what Murphy and De Niro have gone on to do for money <laughs> since right, then. Yeah, right, yeah. And now, yeah. this almost seems like the cream of that crop. <laughs> like, when you put it against someone like Dirty Grandpa for De Niro, or like Norbit. Pluto Nash or Norbit for yeah. Murphy, yeah. you're thinking, uh, okay, maybe. Okay. Yeah, you you know, it's not offensive, is it? It's just, no, no. It's mm. just kind of boring. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it one and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's trying to do an idea that at the time was kind of new as well. Yeah. So it's not like it's late yeah. to the party or anything. It's yeah. just not quite yeah, landing think, it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's not as bad as um, as, as Dirty Grandpa, is it? Which is the, the real pits of the... Of the yeah, 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 no, de- definitely not. I mean, Showtime Dinero, as we call it. Yeah, 100%. Um, should also nominate, it was nominated for two Razzies, Murphy for Worst Actor, and Murphy and De Niro as Worst Screen <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, that's all for Showtime, uh, basically. Boyd, where can we find more of you online? Um, I'm uh, on Twitter, and um, what's the other one? Instagram, as uh, at Boyd Hilton, my name, B-O-Y-D-H-L-T-O-N. Um, and yeah, that's about it really um, and please buy um, Pilot TV magazine Free with Empire yeah I've literally now. just been reading it it, it is genuinely uh, in, totally honestly it is a great magazine thank you and I think it is great that that is being made mm. in the sense because 
don't let physical media die, people. Oh, we we, we yeah. always yes. preach on about this yeah. on yes. this show because there is something just lovely about actually reading a proper magazine dedicated, especially in this. It's it's weird to me that there hasn't been a kind of cinematic TV magazine yeah, yeah. before. That seems crazy to me. And I'm literally reading full articles about like Shane Meadows' new series, Light of G. The Jed Mercurio yeah, interview yeah, yeah. that you did, yes. like genuinely amazing. Mm -hmm. I love Line of Duty anyway. I love yeah. Jed Mercurio. Bodies, one yeah. of the most phenomenal like TV series of all time. Um, and I kind of reading that interview with him, I really warmed Jed Mercurio. Yeah, absolute legend. Him, yeah. Going yeah, like you know, legend, talking yeah. about the way he like goes out his way to hire working class actors and stuff for yeah. um, for a show. Just yeah, awesome. So yeah, definitely grab a copy of the latest Empire for. Yeah. That you. you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Spotlight Pod. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast yep. on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Um, give us a review. Yeah, give us a give us a five star review. Let please. us know if anyone out there has that issue of heat with the Showtime review in it. Yeah, 2002. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. If Someone's a, a hoarder. If you've got a different opinion about Showtime, <laughs> then definitely write in if you think it is a masterpiece and we've been unkind to it uh, we will be back again in some form or another very very soon TBC. Uh, until then spotlight out i hope that you understand the commitment to honor and duty that makes a good tv cop negotiating with homicidal directors fighting through grueling auditions and and battling clumsy dialogue until one day the call comes in there's the call Let's go, guys! TV cops got a roll!